And I'm a mama. I'm Ryan, and I am not a mama. You, 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 they got away with everything as a child and left me here in my old years. I, that's that's why that's a good reason to be a mama, so you can have that kind of conversation. With oh, so you can make you say you can really lay on the guilt and trauma. Yes. Hey, you know what? It is? It's a really good. It's a great. It's a sweet spot for being able to lay on a lot of trauma. And this uh, is. <laughs> I'm going to be bossy here. I'm going to be abusive. Uh, <laughs> this is Mama Needs a Movie. That's the name of the show. That's it. You know, I'm going to do something at the end of all these shows. I realize I'm always like, not even at, not even at the end of the shows. Sometimes I'm like, like and rate us or blah, 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 reviews. I'm going to say it at the beginning of the show. Yeah. This time. Why not like and rate yeah, us and follow, read a review? Follow us. See, see what you think. If you like this episode, there's probably another episode you might like. Uh, we do old movies, new movies, all 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 types. Um, it and, takes all kinds, as they say. Yeah, and you can kind of hear the disintegration of America slowly happening, as you can with all podcasts. It's uh, yeah, you know, it's a classic. Yeah, half the time we're annoyed about something in the news and completely distracted. <laughs> and the other half of the time we're just in such great despair that we can't even talk about it very much. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Yeah, it's so yeah, exactly. Mama Pod on tw- Twitter and Mama <laughs> needs a movie pod on Instagram. That's right. Yeah. Slide into my DMs. Yeah. I mean our DMs, but I manage the Instagram, so I think of it as my DMs. No, no, everyone's gonna get in there. Wow. Okay. Today, I'm so excited. I have to say, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> this is some exciting stuff. We got ourselves a movie here, and we have ourselves a guest here who, to paraphrase Michael T. Williamson and Heat, I don't have to sell you this guest because this guest sells himself. Uh, <laughs> you've seen him as an actor. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite actors I've ever worked with. Honestly, to tell you the truth, he's, he's, he, he did an all timer, uh, drunk history segment. You might've seen him on there. He works as, uh, uh, as a DJ, uh, you know, him under the name of Dante Fontana as a DJ, uh, mm-hmm. his work mm-hmm. in video remixing and, and, and video compiling is, is, is unparalleled. It's some, I think it's some of the, it's some of the best work that has been done in that arena. And, um, I, uh, one thing I will say about him is since the time we've known, we've both known him for years since the time I've known him, at least he has recommended probably more interesting films to me than anyone I know. I would say that he's that movie for movie. I don't know many other people that have recommended more films that I haven't seen or sometimes even heard of. And then you you watch it and go, oh, wow, I'm really glad I watched that. Today's film is actually being no exception. Uh, our guest today is Doug Jones. Hello, hello. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's totally true. I remember when I saw uh, a silent partner. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that was, that was a screening, I think, that you set up. And I was just like, what? I love Elliot Gould. How did I have never seen this movie? Um so that one in particular, I think of as being one that I try to hand off to other people is like, hey, this is <laughs> let's let's pay it forward. I'm going to recommend this movie. And really, very few people have still seen it. So keep spreading the word. That's I, I seriously think that's one of the best movies of all time. Maybe best Canadian movie of all time. Uh, best movie of all time might be a bit of a stretch, but I just watched that one 
like every holiday season because it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be that's a that's a great. Uh, you know, now I think people say Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and it's like, yeah, 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 okay. I mean, I think we've we've all gotten into how that's like a weird Christmas movie, but it is a Christmas movie, and I feel like we haven't quite gotten to uh, exploring some of the other alternative Christmas movies. Like, I'd say Three Days of the Condor is also a Christmas movie because it takes place. At Christmas in the very end of the movie. That's right. Uh, totally. Has, I think that's Christmas. acceptable. Yeah. 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 You know, I just watched, uh, I'm not going to re- recommend this because it's terrible, but it's two, <laughs> two of a kind, uh, a movie with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John oh, after yeah. Grease came out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, you're you're nodding your head. <laughs> it's Is that almost... like from Justin to Kelly level of like trying to take fame and <laughs> put it into something else? Justin to Kelly. Yeah, it's I I had forgotten about this, but someone was posting about uh, when American Idol first came out. Yeah, there there were like the Kelly Clarkson and Justin, Justin whatever his name is, Guarini. Uh, okay, and he I guess <laughs> like after they both came in first and second or whatever, they made this movie from Justin to Kelly, which I've never seen. <laughs> but it's like what happens when you're famous is you just. Someone is like, oh, my God, there's got to be a movie you can be in. Oh, yeah. Even if it makes no sense at all. Um, yes, that's I'm, exactly I'm what like- Two of a Kind is like. <laughs> <laughs> or like Crossroads, the Britney Spears Brit- movie. Spears. Yeah, I've yeah, never seen yeah. that one either, but I think it's the same. It's just like, yeah. we must make money off of it. I would think that Two of a Kind would have been a hit because Grease was such a massive hit. It wasn't like yeah. some people that, like a fluke of nature. It was, you know... Yeah, very compelling Uh, Oh, it's a train wreck. It's so bad. But also, it's the same exact plot as The Silent Partner. Is it really? Halfway through, with extra uh, supernatural elements added to it. (laughs) Wait, who who is... Who has Uh, powers? Olivia Newton-John plays the bank teller. And uh, John Travolta plays like an inventor. Like like (laughs) a guy who... uh, (laughs) He really, really needs to get one of his inventions off the ground. So he robs a bank to bankroll his next invention. Uh, uh, which is? Do we know? What I can't it is? even remember. It's not. <laughs> uh, it's not important to the to the the plot because it goes. She gives him a very small portion of the stolen money and pockets the rest uh, herself. <gasps> oh. Yeah. So you get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then, so that's how it's like The Silent Partner, but how it's not like The Silent Partner is the movie starts off in heaven, and there's three <laughs> angels, uh, and God's compl- God, whose voice is Gene Hackman's, is complaining to him that the world didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. Wow. And uh, Gene Hackman, okay, so yeah, he was he like, wants- this is going to be money right here, and then no, actually not. He's he's basically says, I want to flood the earth and start over from scratch again. And the angels are like, no, the angels, uh, one of which is played by Charles Durning and the other is played by Scatman Crothers. <laughs> this is, this is all the first five minutes of the movie. Okay. Well and, now this, sound, you're only making it sound good. I know you said it was bad. It sounds good to me. It sounds insane. You have to see it. Oh, my friend, we watched it together and the, she said, that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, and I'm gonna be telling people about it for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so they're like, "No, God, don't do us. Give us, give us 24 hours to prove that you're wrong." 
and and he's like, okay, we'll 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 go to Earth and we'll find one human being and we'll test him. And if he does the right thing, that means that there's faith in humanity, and then God will agree to let us uh, uh-huh. to to give it the world Earth another chance. <laughs> So then they choose John Travolta's inventor character as uh-huh. okay. He's going to be the guy uh, that we're going to follow his his life uh, for for a day and see if it, the Earth should be <laughs> uh, flooded or not. This is I swear to God I'm not making this up. Yeah, this does sound like a dream you had, but I accept that it's. But real. I feel like this is this is a heaven the heaven god uh, genre. I can think of off the top of my head. There's there was. Um, uh, of course, heaven can wait, which I think was mm-hmm. the, the, the thing one that might have started it all with Warren Beatty. There was then, um, uh, oh God, you devil, oh God, <laughs> or there was oh God, yeah, oh God, that's God in in a in a in a in that kind of scenario. There were there was a movie, Chances Are, that was about reincarnation. There was mm-hmm. Hearts and Souls. This is not that rare of a thing. Of yes, but I some, think this was God. actually reoccurring from the 30s and 40s where there was Blythe Spirit, there was Topper. Yeah, Guy Named Joe, Angel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. And so those, well, I think Always is another one. Yeah, the remake of Guy uh, Guy Named Joe. But I think those, it was like there, every every couple of decades, it's like, oh, hold on a second, let's talk about this again. But it is interesting that we're not, we're not in that moment right now. We're in the generational trauma needs to be resolved, which is why it is interesting. To be talking about this movie. Well, now they would come through the multiverse. They would make the the, the, the everyone would. This would all be happening in in a in a in a, a secular multiverse, not in not in a religious heaven. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no heaven, heaven's out. But I don't think that heaven is out. I think it's just out of Hollywood, and then it's in these uh, sort of like direct to streaming kind of movies. Yeah, yeah, the heaven is the heaven. Yeah. Or, the heaven is for real. That kind of stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. all most of those movies you mentioned just. They know what it is. They they we're a, we're a, he- a movie about heaven, and here's their our story. And they s- kind of stick to their game plan. This movie just keeps adding uh, new elements, and then you ha- have so much to on the plate. Like first you're in heaven, then there's a bank robbery, and then they start to fall in love, and it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's almost like three different movies uh. m- mixed up all together. In a in a horrible mess, but we're not going to talk about uh, no no two of a kind no. anymore. Two of a kind though. That's 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 moved up the list quite a bit though. Yeah, that sounds impressively terrible. It really does. Yeah, but when you when you were kind of getting into movies, did you come in it? Because this is the first TV movie we're going to talk about. We haven't really ever discussed awesome. them, but but did you? Was that? I I'm assuming that must have been a thing for some people where you know watching a movie. That was a new movie on TV. Was a thing they did as a family. Yeah, I love the made-for-TV m- movies. Like they're great. They're digestible. They're mm-hmm. short. Like they're they're all between like seventy and ninety minutes, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great length for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, they you get to see some of your favorite stars doing doing different kind of parts. You don't usually get to see them play. Uh, kind of like more ambitious weirder storylines like storylines that most major movie studios would never give the green light in a million years but because it's tv with a lower budget they can be sometimes more ambitious Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and i just love that so yeah i was seeking out i did not see uh, the movie we're going to talk about when it when it aired 
Uh, mm-hmm. I saw it. I found it. I think just the name stood out to me. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And then I was like, what's this? And then uh, ordered it from uh, my boot league dealer, which is like a so- soccer mom in the Midwest. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. How did you find this woman? Uh, she had like a like a primitive GeoCities type of website where it's like, here's stuff. You know, there's a lot of trading going on in the internet. It doesn't, now it all happens online. Oh, mm-hmm. S- Silk Road is it? A, it's not that deep dark. It's a, you don't need to go uh, to the <laughs> dark web the for this. Dark web. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This doesn't sound like a lady who's on the dark web, but I don't know. Maybe she is. But yeah, but before the dark web, like you would meet people, <laughs> and that you would send stuff to each other in the mail. Oh, and sometimes yeah. it would be like hard to find movies. Sometimes it would be uh, concerts, bootlegs of concerts. Now, now we just have YouTube and. Uh, this this movie we're going to talk about is available on 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 YouTube. Uh, yes, that, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. If so you haven't you seen originally it. had a version of this that was not on YouTube, Ben. So you were actually getting you got this from this lady. Yes, and that will be a important thing to point out later because I realize after watching the YouTube version tonight that they're quite different from each other. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll point that out. Yes. But I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you, you are you are someone who I actually, when I talked to, when I was talking to you years ago about TV movies, I was like, I don't know if this is, I'm not sure about this form. And you were one of the people that actually convinced me that, like, oh, there's some good movies in this, in this realm. And I've since kind of really come to appreciate it more, like in looking at older older TV movies that, like, oh yeah, it's, and 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 I, I'll say this. On this show, we can say, well, we've mostly talk- we've talked about movies. We we don't we've not gotten into the world of TV. The first movie we talked about was The Lost Daughter, and then uh, I think a movie later we talked about Power of the Dog, and then we talked about Being the Ricardos. And I would I would actually say these things are TV movies. I would say that mm-hmm. for as much mm-hmm. as they, they with very minimal theatrical distribution, mm-hmm. some now essentially what we have is a very robust TV movie world. Mm-hmm. on the streamers um i wish it wasn't there wasn't this distinction of like oh a tv movie is is a lesser thing because I, I feel like it's all like i wish power of the dog could just be like yeah it's a tv movie what, what well you, i think you know? the difference though is that these were made for commercial tv so there was there were commercials in between so you had to have an awareness of content for that mm-hmm. and i think the awareness of content is so different now because it's like People are just buying HBO or they're buying Netflix whole cloth. They're not actually tuning into that one particular thing. So I think the content can be so different, which is weird because this movie, I mean, we might as well just say the title. It's called Circle of Violence, a Family Drama. You know Uh, what? You love it. It's Circle of Violence, a Family Drama. I mean, one of you not wanted a Circle of Violence. It's like a, sounds really fancy, but I think that, that makes it, I think that's sort of like very special episode kind of vibe makes is affected by what is being advertised and those are maybe Doug maybe you saw maybe you saw what the original commercials were but I feel like that would matter you would see like what day of the week that it aired and like was it a Taco Bell commercial that was airing during it mm-hmm. I think that I think that's the distinction more that there were commercials in it than you know being the Ricardos could have had commercials in it it would have worked fine Power of the dog, maybe not. 
<laughs> yeah. It's going to advertise during Power of the Dog. Well, they're like high, I, to me, they're like high end cable movies. Like that's what those streaming movies are. Is they're like, it's like a good yeah. version of like an HBO movie that, like in the 90s, there were a ton of HBO movies. I, no one even remembers these, but there was like Barbarians at the Gate and like, a Walter Winchell well, biopic I think both and of a you Rat Pack that. biopic or whatever. There was, there were all these, there was a ton of, there was, there were a lot of these movies. Most of them were nonfiction. There was a Stalin movie with Robert Duvall playing Joseph Stalin. Like <laughs> that mm-hmm. stuff aired all the time and they were like premium. They would win Emmys and everything, you know, mm-hmm. but, and, but not Oscars. Very exactly. different. Yeah. And Emmys, but not Oscars. More seriously. Years ago when I talked to you, I remember I was asking you, Doug, about your TV setup. And I was surprised because I was like, I was like, oh, for somebody like you who kind of watches movies all the time, I was like, oh, what was your, I was just curious, like, what was your setup? And, and you, you were watching movies, this is years ago, you were watching movies on like a tube TV. Um, mm-hmm. are, are you don't, do you do that anymore or no? I still have it because it's a, it's a family emblem. I have the first color TV my family had when I was a kid and I haven't plugged it in for a long time, but as far as I know, it still works. Then I uh, I got a projector and I was watching movies on my wall for mm-hmm. for years. Oh, and uh, it, as far as I know, that still works, even though I haven't fired it up in a very long time. And now I just have it's a it's a kind of a nice high definition TV, and I've gotten really really into Blu-rays now, so I have to watch them on the high definition TV to to see them look as good as they can. So wow. you made so the wait. So you had. You're so before this color TV tube TV that you still have, mm-hmm. you had a black and white TV that you watched growing up. Oh yeah, I mean that would have been very young, like like four or five years old. Wow. We had a yeah, and then we got a color TV, and the black and white TV moved to my parents' room, and that became their uh, uh, TV. And I, that gave me a nice opportunity to, when I wanted to watch something like the Wonder years, which I took very seriously when there was a new episode, I would lock myself into my mom's room and watch that on the black and white TV. So, and like, so I'd have privacy uh-huh. <laughs> it, was, it was a large family. I haven't uh-huh. thought about this. I'm glad you asked because I haven't thought about this in a really long time, but you know, s- certain things we'd watch as a family or I'd watch with my siblings, but one year's was my show and mm. I watched that by myself. And, and <laughs> that was just my special, my special show. And I did I, watching that color show on a black and white TV kind of worked uh, now that I think about it. Cause it's set in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That makes perfect sense. So in your what, mind, it's like how, Andy Griffith or something. <laughs> yeah. You were making it fit better for what it was supposed to be. But Without what, realizing it. I'm, I'm so curious. How many siblings did you have? There's four of us and I'm the oldest. So what was, <laughs> that's, that's a decent amount, but it's not 12. So what was the, right. uh, <laughs> what was the reason that you, that it was just yours that you wanted to be private with it? Wow. That's a really good question. And uh, I think that um, I related to Kevin uh, mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of was living that show through him. Mm-hmm. And I was really like, like my, my, the first time I, 
kissed a girl was at summer camp. Like I went through great lengths to hide that information from my family. because I don't know why I would be embarrassed. Uh, but when it came to like girls and like stressful things at school, I, I felt like, uh, <laughs> embarrassed to, to, I don't know. I, I don't know why, but, but like seeing everything that happened through, like living through Kevin through that show when there was an embarrassing moment, I was embarrassed for him when mm -hmm. he had like a huge victory. I felt victory for him when he had something devastated happen to him. I was devastated mm -hmm. and I don't know. I was just connecting so personally that I didn't want to share that. I was too embarrassed to share that with, with, with my siblings or with my parents. Mm -hmm. I, that's really the best I can explain it. That's amazing though. I think that's kind of like gets down to why some people are attracted to certain art forms is it's a way of like, there's catharsis in it. Like you can have the experience, but it's like, you're not alone in the experience anymore. Yeah. I was having that. This is the first time I've ever like tried to take that and put it into words. So it was, it was cathartic. And I'm mm -hmm. sure I did not know what that word meant at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you don't need to. You don't need to. You're still having it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I how do you feel about the new one though? The, the reboot. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it yet. Is it good? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have a connection to the Wonder Years mm -hmm. at all because I never watched it. But I feel like sometimes when things are redone, it's, it's like, uh, you know, kind of offensive like you're ruining my childhood kind of thing yeah i i i wouldn't want to assume that i don't want to assume anything about it without watching it mm -hmm. uh but uh there was like five or six years ago i was i was in a room and i heard a voice but i didn't see the face but i the voice was insanely familiar for me and i just stopped everything what i was doing and i was like Oh my God, who is that? I know that voice. And I looked at his face and I didn't recognize him. I only recognized the voice and it was Fred Savage. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, wow. Wow. I yeah. guess I had it ingrained in my memory. I have, yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. That, that must be, there probably is so much that you can't even, it's, it's so bizarre how the things you watch as when you're really, really young, how mm -hmm. they become part of what you think is reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm very aware of this now as a parent thinking, about like, what am I, what am I implanting in you? So that kind of like, you know, Manchurian candidate style, you'll be activated at some point. <laughs> by this. Yeah. Something was activated <laughs> that day and it was freaky yes. in a Manchurian candidate sort of way. Yeah. He could have made you do anything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just, I remember when I saw it, because I remember that show premiered, I think it was after the Super Bowl. It was like one of those shows yeah. like, mm -hmm. after the Super Bowl. And I remember seeing it like That's live right. the first time. And I just remember thinking like, I was around the same, I was around the same age. I think probably when it premiered where I was like, oh, this kid's about my age. And I think he was, I think Fred Savage was playing younger than he was at the time. Mm -hmm. But you go like, oh yeah, this is what a kid, I, I completely related to it because I was at it. Sometimes a show you grow up with it. The other one that people talk about classically is like The Simpsons. Like if you started mm -hmm. it at the right time, mm -hmm. it completely tracked with your humor. It went from being a little kid's cartoon to being like a sophisticated 
kind of a, a sardonic show mm. with it, like right as you went from like the age of nine to the age of 15 or whatever, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of people I hear that have that. And now you're Homer. Show. Now you've and, aged into Homer. <laughs> exactly. I've, now, I've now aged into like 32 year old Homer Simpson or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don Cheadle is the voice of the new. Uh, he's the oh, really? the new narrator. So he's I know the seriously new, uh, zero about the show. Uh, the new uh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, thank you. Daniel Stern. Another, yeah, ah. another another voice that will that follows me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you have journals and stuff? As when you were a kid, were you were either of you actually avid journal uh, keepers, diary keepers? I was. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I I was got given one uh, one of them to me by my mom like ten years ago, and it's hilarious. It's a nice thing to have. Uh, of course, I'd only like I'm had maybe a two or three times in my life journals, and they lasted maybe the course of a year, and then for whatever reason, I stopped. Mm-hmm. What about you, Anne? Oh yeah, no, I keep them intermittently uh, and have have always, and it's. Uh, I always think, oh, you adorable child, even when <laughs> it's it was a year ago. But <laughs> I am always ago. saying, oh, you poor innocent baby. You had no idea what you're talking about. That's my experience of reading every single journal I've ever read. Oh, <laughs> which is, I think, why it's good. Why it's good to write them because then you can reflect on how you're always in the process of figuring out. I think that's why they say, right, that it's good is, I mean, I think definitely like you can process certain, you process certain things by writing it out, but also Mm -hmm. just by, it's more by reading it. You go like, oh, that's what I was so worried about. Like, (laughs) that was how crazy that boyfriend made me, girlfriend made me. Jesus. I gotta gotta do that again. Wow. Back back to like (laughs) hiding things from my family. I, when I was in junior high and high school and we had a PC, I would write, I would open like, you know. Microsoft Word 1.0 when I was really frustrated about something write a journal <laughs> like two page write type two pages of something that was going through my mind mm-hmm. read it and then delete it <laughs> mm, <laughs> so wow. nobody can find it wow oh, and man. and the uh just right doing that was cathartic because when I clicked the delete button I feel like that frustration went away. Isn't that weird? Mm. And again, something I haven't thought about in years. You guys, you guys are <laughs> somehow bringing all these really like personal. <laughs> this is turning into a therapy session. <laughs> well, that's all right because I think that's something that comes up when you're when you're thinking about like why do you actually, uh, why are you actually interested in the things you're interested in? I think that there there's like. Or it's sort of like dream analysis, which is, you know, can be total nonsense. But it's also like, well, what do you think it means? Is the mm-hmm. great question about when someone's talking about dreams is like, well, what do you think it means? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, well, I think it means this. Well, then that's what it means. It's sort of the same thing when you're watching a movie, you look at it and you have whatever reaction and interpretation that you have. And it's like, well, that's actually saying more about you than it is about the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you interested in this? Is like, well, because it something about me is interacting with this story. So I think it's inevitable. That, I mean, that's one of the ideas of this show is that I think that how we come into our lives is very much affected by what 
what we what we get to in media, whatever media it is. For some people, it's only books or for some people, maybe it's sports. I don't know what that is, but like whatever that is. My like, only media is sports. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for somebody, they're like, no, oh, for, yeah. No, that's a, for some, that's their the, primary thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, I know what I felt about that game is like something to do with where they were in their life. So, yeah, I think it's inevitable that it's going to be very personal. I think to this day, I take it, I, I take those kinds of things, especially with younger children than I know, I take it very seriously. I find myself like if a kid, if a little kid likes a movie or something, mm-hmm. to me, that's like sacred. That's like the most, that's one of the most sacred things in the world is like, mm-hmm. you actually like that movie? Like, cause it's so, cause it's personal. It's like the movie's the movie, whatever the movie mm-hmm. is, but it says so much about the little person. Mm-hmm. That they're responding to little elements in it or whatever, and it's very precious. It's like they say you shouldn't, you should never take a, if a kid makes an artwork or something, you should never be like, ah, oh, that's bad, that's flawed, that's whatever. Mm-hmm. It's I, I feel the same way about m- movies and stuff like that. You, you, should, you shouldn't with a little kid, you shouldn't be like, oh, I don't like that. You know that thing is stupid or whatever because that's yeah, because you don't know what it is that they're responding to. I think yeah. it's uh, by the same token, like in the fur fur world of child rearing that I'm living in. You're not supposed to even look at a picture and say, oh, that's a beautiful picture of an airplane or whatever it is you think it is, because you don't know. You're supposed to say, oh, that's really interesting. What is it? Mm -hmm. Because they're trying to express themselves. (laughs) And when you assign it something, you may be met with total horror. (laughs) Like, that's not what I meant. (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's sort of it's it's part of the idea of like, well, there what's going on in them is actually a mystery to you. So just be open to the mystery. Open to the mystery. Serious man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God, that's such a good movie. Great I'm, movie. I'm about still life. asking myself why I like certain movies. I oftentimes I'll watch a movie for the fourth, fifth, sixth time and I'll just be like, why do I keep watching this movie? Uh-huh. Well, what, what I is don't one understand, you- I don't understand why I today's uh, movie is no exception. Why do I like Circle of Violence, a family oh. drama, as much as I do? But I was hoping to answer that question. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think we could all uh, solve, hopefully solve that together. The movie uh, Circle of Violence a Circle of Violence, a family drama, is a 1986 a television movie. It's, it looks like it was on CBS. I don't actually know the mm-hmm. network. Um, yeah, the version that I watched was uh, recorded off of, I think, British, British TV? Yeah, some British TV. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. And it looked like it was kind of like their version of the Hallmark Channel or something. Because mm-hmm. there was like, the yeah. Christmas Wish is coming on next. Yes. And- <laughs> <laughs> things that were like I oh, wanted to I, see Christmas Wish yeah. whatever that was at the end a lot of old the uh, American TV movies get rerun overseas for some weird reason that's so, yeah. so strange they don't know the difference over there yeah they don't they don't, they don't and know they even thought, yeah. when these a lot of these movies were made like in the 70s uh, like you had the ABC movie of the week but then you had also ABC Circle Films, which was an extra half an hour long and then released theatrically like in Europe. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, that's a yeah. trick. This yeah. is something that I just learned very recently from listening oh. to the Pure Cinema podcast uh, with Quentin Tarantino. He oh. he broke down like the ABC Circle Films and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And that explains why if you Google like a random TV movie, Pray for the Wildcats or whatever, you'll of, uh, often find like a weird German movie poster for it somewhere on the Google oh. image search. Yeah, because yeah. they, they were releasing theatrically. This Right, right. 
they'll add they'll add nudity and swearing oftentimes oh. as well. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It's yeah. like, why is why does she suddenly just go in the other room to take like, a bath? That's right, odd. like like very much like the movie Mulholland Drive. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Like, uh-huh. All right, this is not going to be on TV. All right, well then let's let's shoot some steamy uh, uh, nudity. <laughs> what right. was the proportionally? I don't know. Um, was Mahal? Is there? There is stuff from the TV version of Mulholland Drive in Mulholland Drive. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so some of so some of it's it just survived. more I think stuff. Mo- right? I think most. Yeah, I think most of it. Uh, I think the pilot. It, there's like a one hour pilot, and I think most of that is in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. They just added a lot. Uh, That's got to be one of the crazier ways that a great movie has ever made it to the screen. Is like, oh, let's just uh, make this pilot longer and. Well, it's weird now because I think it would probably be a successful HBO drama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just was the wrong time to do it. I, another another thing that was very popular was take a failed pilot, like a one-hour pilot. Um, the pilot doesn't get picked up, but now let's film another 30 minutes and have it come out as a TV movie of the week. That was uh-huh. also very, oh, wow. very, very common. Yeah. yeah, wasn't there also the thing where they would make a backdoor pilot that was a TV movie about a character or something and then see if it could be a show? Am mm-hmm. I making this up? No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much. I don't know as much about TV. I'm just not. I didn't grow up watching TV, so I'm much better at, you know, Barbara Stanwyck movies and stuff. <laughs> well, maybe you... You'll come around uh, after after tonight, and Ryan, I'm glad you've come around on the TV movies. And then, yeah, hearing hearing Quentin talk about the ABC movie of the, of the week on his podcast so much, uh, I know like I'm not the only one. Like that, there's there's a lot of gems to be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, the first thing I'll point out is that this is an exceptional cast: mm-hmm. Tuesday Weld. Mm-hmm. Uh, River Phoenix, a y- very mm-hmm. young River Phoenix, and then the, the sort of m- uh, main performance here by Geraldine Fitzgerald. Yes. Um, these are mm-hmm. actors who you've all known in movies. Geraldine Fitzgerald, if you don't know her, she's an Irish actress. The thing that I knew her or recognized her from immediately was playing Arthur's uh, grandmother mm-hmm. in Arthur. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. also from Poltergeist 2. She, I think she plays Joe Beth Williams' mom. In well, which is strange because Dudley Moore is Arthur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tuesday Weld was married to him. That's right. At one point. Oh, okay. how one how wonderful is she in the in this movie? Yes. So yeah. she is so frustrated in such a totally believable way. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday Weld, who I like, uh, do you, I must. I assume you've seen uh, play it as it lays, right? Or have you ever seen? Yes. Oh, so good. And um, that's I think to this day the only really notable Joan Didion novel adaptation. She's fantastic in it, and and I kind of was. Wonder, you know, you kind of see these actors pop in and out of films, and you think, "Where is Tuesday Weld? Like, why did yeah. that career just stop?" She, she could have uh, been. She's like more famous for the roles that the famous roles that she's turned down. Oh, really? I I, I think she could have been so much more famous, but didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that she took on this unusual TV movie, like at this point in her career because she wasn't doing she was very selective so there must have been a reason why she said yes to this uh i'd 
I'd love to know. There's not much documentation on this movie on the internet, so it's not. And but people love it. I know I'm not alone. Like the 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 YouTube version of it that's up now as we're recording this has over a million views mm-hmm. and like almost two thousand comments. That's so, what I found. Like, I was like, I was trying to find. I couldn't find one contemporaneous review of the movie, but I found mm-hmm. a million comments that were like, "This reminds me of me, my family, my mother, oh. my life, my like." people people seem to respond in this to this movie in a way that like is uh and i can kind of see it because it maybe deals with the dynamic that isn't in a lot of movies like yeah mm-hmm. i think it's very interesting in the way that uh it it really passes the bechdel test really really well <laughs> like it is about centrally it is about two uh two generations of women that have uh, have unresolved trauma and they're they're hurting each other because of it. Uh, and that's a really, I guess, not a very bankable um, topic. And so I guess watching it as a TV movie, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess maybe this would be something that you wouldn't be able to get made at a studio and probably still wouldn't be able to get made at a studio. Totally. Uh, but that that is perhaps in a more intimate setting, people would feel kind of intensely about um, very yeah. well put. Yeah, you may not you may not go out to it as your weekend's entertainment movie, but if, if just as it's on, I, I kind of was like, wow, I really miss just watching movies about families talking and arguing. Yeah. I don't know, I don't see a lot of them, you know. Well, uh, I think what I mean basically, this movie is about uh, a woman with two kids who's just been left by her husband, and her mom keeps uh, smoking in her house and uh, needs assistance from her very nice neighbors. Yes. As the movie started, she's already set one fire. Right. So it's like, well, I don't think it's safe for her to be living on her own. So uh, it's important that you move in. And we don't really know that there's a huge amount of conflict there. It's just uh, she moves in in the midst of Tuesday. Well, the mom having no money and her husband has left her for a I guess like a secretary or something. And she has two kids, two two teenage kids, one of whom is a girl who we have forgotten completely. And the other one is River Phoenix, uh, who's 16 in this movie. And uh, made the same year as uh, Stand By Me. Uh, yes. So came year. out two months after Stand By Me. Yeah. Whoa. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Probably crazy not timing. made it. Probably not actually made at the same time. But mm-hmm. um, this one. It feels like Stand By Me was actually made quite a bit earlier than this, but came out at the same time. Yeah. He's definitely older in this than he was in that. But mm-hmm. yeah. And then then they, they have a lot of conflict, which actually becomes physical violence, uh, which is extremely confusing. I was watching it and I was just like, wait, am I misunderstanding something? Because this is this really about this? I kept expecting it to not be. And then I was like, wait, no, this is about hitting an old lady? Oh. Uh whoa, who is really really irritating. Uh <laughs> so it's like, wait. Uh, wow, this is very very strange. She's so frustrated by her mom that she hits her. But then as it goes on, it isn't just about a lady who snaps. It's like, oh, she experienced the same thing as a kid and her uh my guess is that Tuesday Weld had some sort of therapy experience, and that's why she wanted to make this movie. 
because that scene mm-hmm. is so important when she goes in mm-hmm. and she has this whole talk. And uh, that's my that's my guess. What do you, what does everybody else think about that? I think that's a good guess, and the performances I should add are just I think fantastic. Uh, there's uh, elements uh, we we can't do this with, and not say that there's parts of this movie that are unintentionally funny. Are y'all with me on that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a, uh, 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 but it rides a fine line. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm, it does ride a fine mm-hmm. line where you're like, you're one minute you're like, wow, what a phenomenal performance, and the next you're like, oh, that's pretty. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little right, cheesy. Right. That's a little and, cheesy. Yep. And I would mm-hmm. like I would I would like to 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 blame I think that on the writing because like there's a scene where uh Tuesday Weld is talking to her her therapist and it's like this incredible monologue. Uh and then she just says the line like uh, she's talking about her brother who she doesn't know is dead or alive. And she says, last I heard he was selling pretzels on the corner. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. That, that doesn't sound like a real thing. Yeah, just like that was to me was so funny. Like it took me out of this scene yeah. and there's tons of little stuff like that sprinkled throughout the movie where it's just like, Oh my God, like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of bizarre. There's a there's a moment early on where she's she's talking to a coworker and she's saying uh, the coworker's saying like, oh, you know, you, you're struggling with money and this and that. And she says, well, I I I'm used to working. I uh, I worked when uh, with when uh, when Pete came down with hepatitis last year. And you're like, yep, <laughs> it never that's it never right. reappeared. That's, that's our boss. And because and because because uh, we uh, mentioned uh, John Travolta at the start of this podcast taping, uh, that was. His older sister Ellen Travolta playing right. Marion the boss. Really? Uh, yeah, she kind of looks like Lily Tomlin. She played uh, Fonzie's aunt on Happy Days. Ellen Travolta yeah. had a, a good career in her own right. Um, she did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sister Travolta. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is a thing of celebrities who have. Doesn't Sylvester Stallone have a brother who sort of had a career? Oh, you mean? Uh, Frank Stallone, <laughs> and then and then Tom Cruise also, who has the the one who got like a cousin, I think. Oh, yeah, gosh. maybe. Yeah, maybe it's a cousin. I didn't, that I did not know. A lot of yeah. dads, like Sal Pacino, was an actor. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Tarantino. I keep bringing him up again, but he, his his dad stars in some straight to VHS action movies with. Al Pacino's dad. Really? <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. He's so embarrassed. It's funny hearing him tell this story on the podcast because he's genuinely embarrassed about all of it. Because mm-hmm. on the on the, the 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 box of the video cassette, it just says like Tarantino Pacino. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> They're totally like 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 uh like like doing a cash grab. And mm-hmm. it's funny, and it's also really, really sad. It's oh, a, it's but a total... Ellen Travolta does not fall into that category because she had a legit career. Um, this movie captures, I think, well, like you were saying, an irritating mother, elderly mother. I mean, we can say whatever. It's not. It's not. She's a. It's a fictional character. I'm a lot. We can say she's irritating. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, doesn't the mean idea... she should get hit. She could be exactly. irritating, and also no one should hit people. Yes, the, I I, the idea. On that. I think that's what's what's deceptive and maybe confusing about the movies. You kind of think like, oh, this is a movie about maybe a kind of self-absorbed. But for a, when the movie starts, 
I've never seen a grandma treated better than this in a movie. Like she <laughs> sings songs. The grandkids mm-hmm. are like super interested and like mm-hmm. polite to her and like like listening to her and are very kind to her. She has a daughter that's like very receptive to her. Like this grandma has it made. I've never seen mm-hmm. a grandma more more loved than this grandma. And then she just kind of complains and smokes her cigarettes and sets fires. Uh, and then when she has to, <laughs> she, sets, <laughs> she sets a fire. She sets a second fire that makes, that sends her, um, into have to live with her daughter. And then when her daughter, she's living with Tuesday Weld, she's like hovering around her cooking. This is like one of the scenes that's like instigates the whole, mm-hmm. a lot of conflict is like hovering around her making food. There's a lot of like tension around the food making, mm-hmm. which I found very accurate. I think I think tons of people could identify with their mother criticizing their cooking <laughs> or the criticisms going. It's like a lot of criticism there around that pot and kitchen and you're putting too well, much which of this and that. Is, which then is interesting because she, she buys the, all of this food at some sort of, it's like Bristol Farms or something or other. She's bought like... Oh yeah, the grandma. The grandma gets chewed out for spending almost $300 at the grocery which store. Which is $2,000 in today's dollars. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane amount of money. It is, it is a ton so, of money. Food so, in 1996. So and yeah. then so then she's like she's super pissed off about it and she's like you can't do this I don't have any money which is a fair complaint and then later on we find out that Tuesday Weld grew up making soup out of salt and pepper because uh, she had no food and no money so it's like oh I see I think something is happening is that there's there are more layers in this first scene mm-hmm. and I think in a like perhaps more fluid filmmaker there would be a more direct connection made between those things but it's kind of interesting to make the connection yourself like oh wait wait oh so that's why that would be particularly upsetting in a way that felt so specific that i was like i think someone maybe is telling something like a true story (laughs) right now because it's so food it's like so specifically focused on those two instances that I'm like, I think, I think this is, I think this is real. I think part of the story is real. I definitely think so because there's two, there's basically two cooking. There's basically set pieces in the movie, like kitchen mm-hmm. set pieces, They're really important set pieces. And then, yeah. it, and then it comes back to, this is what we ate and this is how, and we didn't yeah. have the money to eat because without a father, without a, whatever. They yeah, well, not having a father is truly the worst occurrence. Not having a father is one of the worst things that can happen in life. Uh, and this uh, dad in the movie <laughs> is the most non-entity I think I may have ever seen in a movie. Pete, Pete played by Pete, Pete Boners, Peter Boners. Um, <laughs> Peter Boners? That's his name? Yes. Peter Boners, who was a, a pretty well-known actor, director in his own right. Um, I think that they, he may not have been as famous Famous enough for me to hear about him because his name was Peter Boners. I'm just maybe Boners with a Z. Um, yes. Well, that actually makes it worse. <laughs> the the character, his character arc is so like he's he's a bastard. He 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 runs away with a a woman half his age, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> that doesn't work out, and he he decides to come back, and then all of a sudden he's like the best guy in the world, and he's mm-hmm. like. Uh, doing all the right things uh, all of a sudden 
paying right. for right. everything, paying for and therapy. He's, just, paying he's for like, the, yeah. I can Money's do this no because object. I went to yeah. therapy. I went mm-hmm. to therapy once. It's like, as long <laughs> as you are, as long as I'm with my girlfriend, I'm not paying for anything. Not my children, not helping you. And then I go to therapy one time <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to pay for everything and I'm going to go back. So really, therapy is amazing. I mean, it's a good commercial for therapy. You know, they only had so much time to tell this story. I'm not going to chew them out over that. TV movies, things have to happen fairly quickly. Things have to be here's, representative. Here's one, they got to be representative. Here's, you know, here's one thing I know because I have a number of friends who are therapists. Uh is there there's such a thing as a uh, a mandatory reporter mm-hmm. and if you know about uh elder abuse oh, child yeah. abuse mm-hmm. and you're a teacher a therapist there are a few other things where it's like if this is mentioned you must call the police mm-hmm. and i don't know when that started maybe that actually wasn't the case at this point but when she's asking her all those questions there was a part of me that was like oh my god is she setting her up to get arrested oh my god that would be a real twist it was like yeah wow i got you to go to therapy i, I would like to know the process that uh this this uh teleplay as they called them was written <laughs> by a guy named william wood and he has he he was making a he was writing a lot of TV movies at this time, so I feel like he was pumping them out fairly quickly and probably didn't have too much time to research. Again, that mm-hmm. to me is uh, what might be slightly make this whole movie slightly off because the performances are so strong. Like that's definitely not the weak link in this movie. It's just like little weird things, like. Another line that I wrote down this really <laughs> thought was like unintentionally hilarious is when, and I just really, really love this whole sequence with uh, the punk rock kid. Uh, 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 yes. uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> the friends of Mark. Yeah. Uh, the Mark, friend of the who sons. Smokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Bad, yeah, and, and rides a, a motorcycle. Um, he's just dancing, uh, dancing in the, the living room to punk rock music (laughs) just and 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 the and the grandma feels absolutely like completely threatened by his presence and runs runs into a river phoenix's bedroom which by the way i also had to write this down did you see that what the bumper sticker said on his door what was it this is barf me out (laughs) (laughs) so perfect uh but she's like she runs into River Phoenix's room, like terrified, just absolutely like terrified by Mark. And she and she says, quote, I don't like the way he looked at me and heaven knows what he's got on his mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. am I wrong yes. to interpret that as maybe something sexual? Oh, no. Yeah, he, he, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. think so. I think there's a sort of there's sort of like I know we talk about him all the time. Mm hmm. But in interiors, there's a mom Uh-oh. character who kind of can't get over the fact that she's not young anymore. Mm-hmm. Is one of the problems that she has is that she's like, oh, well, you know, my husband's going to come back. And that character, that kind of character, I feel like is not not so much happening now since it's like uh, OK to be sexy when you're old mm-hmm. now, I guess. But it, 
during the 80s when this takes place it's kind of like she's still a child in some way still a young woman in some way mm-hmm. and so she looks at this guy and she's like oh he i'm so disturbed he must be looking at me like that when i really think he's not <laughs> but it's sort of like her her like egotism is mm-hmm. that she's she's thinking that he's up to He's thinking she's sexy or something. <laughs> and that's how I took it. Anyway. You know, I don't, I think you might be right about that. I mean, I can, I have memories of my own, my own grandma. She, I was, she was not an egotist. Ryan, just, did you beat her? I, she was never beaten. <laughs> she was never beaten. Um, But I can remember like, she was not an egotist. She was not an, I don't know. She, she was, she had her issues, you know, but she was like a very pretty woman. And maintained it into her older years was like, you know, put her creams on and everything all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think she kind of had a little bit of that of like, oh, that young man was like looking at me like she I don't think she ever got it in her in her head that like she was an older woman, even into her 70s. I don't think that she that really occurred to her. Sometimes young guys are looking at you like that, I'm sure. But. I Most feel that way time, about both probably. of both of my grandmothers. I feel like I would say I would I'd see them get older and over. I've, I've now lost both of them, uh, but they both, one of them lived, lived to be 86, the other lived to be 92, and neither one of them gave up on their appearance. They, they still cared, and you know, a night, a night out to dinner was, was like the highlight of the week, and they'd get all gussied up, and I just mm-hmm. loved, I loved that. Yeah, it's kind I, of a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just because you pass whatever 65 or 75 or whatever mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you don't like being appreciated or that you don't mm-hmm. feel like a, a sexual person or whatever. Mm-hmm. A, a, oh, a, yeah. A, well, those know. communities I, of old people are mm-hmm. just really going for it. I think, <laughs> I think so. I, I, uh, <laughs> my grandma, Joni, uh, who lived in Canada, at a like a retirement home she was one of those popular women at the retirement home in fact they put her (laughs) there was like a a local commercial and they picked her to be like the face of the retirement home yeah but i i got tasked i was in calgary for a cousin's wedding and i got tasked with picking her up and take bringing escorting her to the wedding Mm -hmm. Uh, so i showed up exactly when i was supposed to show up knocked on her door and she answered the door and she was wearing like uh, like a like a really like nice fancy cocktail like jet black cocktail dress and mm-hmm. she had a glass of wine in her hand and she was laughing and she was so excited to 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 go out to begin her night she sounds like a fun lady that's that's an image yeah yeah, yeah. well i think that's kind of what maybe something in this movie is that you know the movie has it's it's only about one thing sort of Mm -hmm. but i think these the idea that like there's such a limitation placed on this lady that she was married her husband Mm -hmm. left her Mm -hmm. and then as a result she had nothing that nothing else she she had no other things she could be Mm -hmm. she could be a wife and she could be a mother and then her husband leaves and she's like well then i'm nothing I'm just mm-hmm. nothing. And then spends the rest of her life being frustrated by that. Yeah. Which explains why she would want to 
spend $300 on groceries and just get the nicest things imported from Italy and France. It's yeah. Like, yeah. She's yeah. not ready to give up. She still wants to in, enjoy her life uh, as much as she possibly can. And rightfully so. I want to, I want to mention that like you, you mentioned, you said that there's not many movies like this and that's true, but uh, my friend Tara just coined a term that I want to throw out there. Uh, we were talking about the straight story, you know, the, mm-hmm. the David Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the tractor he, movie. The tractor yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she referred to that as a going of age movie, like as opposed to a coming of age movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We just had this conversation last week and I think it totally applies to circle of violence as a, as a going of age uh, yeah. film as well i mean it's i think i almost um incalculably um optimistic movie in the sense oh that my god yes it's the idea <laughs> well to, i mean actually I'll, I'll go back to say that uh before getting to that point the the thing here is that it's if in a line you would say the movie's about elder abuse it's about mm-hmm. you know Tuesday Weld physically uh, hits her mom and uh, they have to kind of reconcile. She has to come to some kind of reconciliation about how it is essentially a circle of violence. She's reenacting some kind of abuse that took place when she was a kid and the frustration and, you know, uh, and at the end, this realization uh, this older woman has is like, so idyllic in a way of mm-hmm. like i'm sorry i'm actually sorry i'll forgive you if you forgive me mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it's a it's a yeah going of age actually describes it well because an actual going happens something happens a, a, mm-hmm. a door is opened you know uh which yeah. feels like doesn't sometimes doesn't happen for older people nothing nothing new is learned mm-hmm. Well, and it's point. very hopeful she gets to go and live this life where she performs music and Pete pays for it, uh, which is great. Uh, <laughs> pays for the, <laughs> the retirement community. How how cute is the song Shine on Harvest Moon when she yes. does it? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a song we hear twice in the movie, and it's just like so incredibly touching. Yes. Did I miss something that she says? I don't think the Beatles ever sang <gasps> this. Yeah. Like, uh, why are you saying that? <laughs> I have a guess, and can I okay. share my theory yeah. with you? I I put this two and two together just like right before we started taping, and uh, I'm really excited to share this. Mm-hmm. Geraldine Fitzgerald is the mother of Lindsay, uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director of the recent Get Back Beatles documentary no, on wow. Disney Plus. Wow! Yeah, so he he filmed all that footage of the Beatles uh, rehearsing. And uh, so I don't know if that line, it's one of the last lines in the movie. She goes up uh, to sing a song in a retirement home and says, quote, the Beatles never sang this first song. As far as I know, is that a nod? Is that an inside uh, reference? Well, here's intriguing in get back, which I watched all nine hours of. I loved it. They sing what feels like thousands of songs that aren't Beatles songs, like just jamming on so- on songs mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say Harry Styles songs. What? <laughs> what? But for Possible? the future. I mean, but every single minute they're, they're playing Chuck Berry or play this or that. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. totally seems like something that Paul would just play on the piano. Mm-hmm. It does not appear to be in the get back 
documentary song list here. Mm. Um, oh, you're checking to see on Shine On Harvest Mood? Because it in, seems like, because like, you know how like insane. in Get Back, they play it like, you know, like they'll, whatever they'll be playing. like Right. Just little licks while they're waiting for somebody to come back from the bathroom. And, or, yeah. And Peter Jackson will like very <laughs> diligently put like Peggy Sue Got Married, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like in the corner. Yeah. And so that you know mm-hmm. what they're playing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, but it does not appear that they played Shine. So maybe she's being accurate that they maybe. So she knows <laughs> every single song the Beatles ever played and she's like actually i should point this out to these old people and then they're like what that is incredible though that she is that michael Lindsay hogg he's a big character in that movie he's always like the whole movie he's like well i really think we should film over here and what are we gonna do the concert's on tuesday and it's it's great i love it but get back i could have watched nine more hours of that i would have been fine (laughs) talk about a movie i was sad when it ended i was sad when it it doesn't exactly qualify as like a movie maybe because it's it's such a massive miniseries type thing but if it did it's probably my favorite movie of last year um Hmm. uh, easily speaking of directors uh it should also be mentioned that this is a british director it's a british Mm -hmm. director david green yeah yeah, I'm a fan of some, th- and I didn't even realize he directed this until I was looking at IMDb tonight. But he directed some really great, cool late '60s films. Uh, one of them's called Sebastian. It's like a really stylish movie about two mathematicians that fall in love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then there's a that's a favorite of mine. Then there's another movie he made in 1969 called I Start Counting. Starting a, I'm going to mess her name up, but Jen, Jenny Aguilera, uh, the, the girl who played uh, Jessica Six in Logan's Run. And that movie was fantastic. Like really, really good British dramas. Huh. So it's just interesting that he's, you know, two decades later in America doing TV movies. Wow, this is uh, I, now I would have never known what these movies are, what the British yeah. films are. Yeah. I, I was going to note specifically that in the television room, I, I guess Godspell is probably his biggest movie or his most well known movie credit. Mm-hmm. He directed a movie, the Betty Ford story with Juna Rollins, um, the year mm-hmm. previous to this, which is one of my favorite TV movies, just specifically for that uh, Juna Rollins performance. And he's also the, he directed Roots part one mm-hmm. of roots mm-hmm. which i feel like makes him puts him in high in the running of of the probably the most seen thing anyone's ever directed for television roots is was so massive yeah is there any acknowledgement in this movie though that the mom is british because i don't remember her saying anything about that She's- not really she comes her her accent comes off as kind of like transatlantic i've always felt that about Geraldine Fitzgerald, she doesn't seem British as much as like she's doing a Catherine Hepburn or something. You see, but I did think she was, and I was like, well, that's a the the writing of it is different than the casting of it because there would be the element in addition to that of like this is a lady where maybe when she says and then I had nothing is like yeah you were in a country a separate country from where you started so you had really no family support in a way that is different if you're from another country. Mm-hmm. Like an immigrant person, even an English immigrant person is going to have a different experience. And I was kind of surprised that that never was directly stated. Yeah, uh, that doesn't, she doesn't, I think as far as I know, she wasn't, she was playing an American. Um, yeah. <laughs> but with a fancy accent. A fancy American? 
She's Isn't a fancy she American. Playing like a fake fancy American. I feel like that used to be idea. a type. Yeah, that used yeah. to be a voice that people. William F. Buckley had it. People had that voice. That sort of like. Yeah, sort of, kind of an English accent, but not like a full, like a like a one third English accent or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good directorial decisions in this movie. Uh, there's there's two th- shots I want to mention specifically. One is that scene you guys were talking about where it's, she she. Uh, Geraldine Fitzgerald walks in and sees the friend, River Phoenix's friend, Mark, and it kind of tracks along. The shot kind of like tracks along in this, uh, like from her point of view. And then another that was, I thought very, was very interesting was Tuesday Weld comes in and is talking to the children and she's saying, there's, they're saying something, some frustration they have with the mom. She's seeing helicopters or something like Henry Hill style. She's obsessed with the helicopters that are mm-hmm. <laughs> flying over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you see Tuesday Weld, rather than cut to her face, you just see her uh, kind of tussle the back of her head. It's this mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. scene that yeah. sort of just takes out. With, it's, it, she plays the whole scene just by the movement of her hair. So I was like, these are bold decisions. These are, yeah. these are, these are some fancy decisions. These are some good decisions for a, for, you know, a, a movie of the week kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it does create that like the the scene with the helicopter and the neighbor. It's like, oh yeah, this this is kind of a a confusing and traumatic thing to to move from the house that you've lived in for many, many years to move somewhere else. So it was very sympathetic, I felt like, to that character while also showing the other the mom as being just completely frustrated with the whole situation. Should we mention that the the actual like beating scene and how oh, if yes. people if yeah. people enjoy this conversation and they want to watch the movie on YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. that specific scene that's like about an hour into the movie is very much toned down on the version that's on YouTube, and mm-hmm. I almost almost didn't catch that, but I compared it with the the bootleg I purchased from that soccer mom, the Midwest soccer mom, eight years ago, <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. It's like night and day. Like that scene is really shocking and upsetting and uh, like almost difficult to watch because it looks like Tuesday Weld is actually beating Geraldine Fitzgerald. Yes, the scene is is yeah. she's in her room and and the way that it's in this version, which I assumed was a stylistic choice or perhaps just a choice for TV, like you don't actually see an impact of any beating at all in the film. You see a lot mm-hmm. of it's conveyed through... A lot of the abuse stuff is conveyed through like people mm-hmm. yelling in other rooms and stuff. You don't see anything directly. And I or assume bruises. or bruises, bruises you see, she, too, she'll yeah. show a bruise or something. And I assume that that was a, a sort of sensitivity choice. If you wouldn't want to see an old woman being beaten in a, mm-hmm. in a movie, you know, just as the same as you wouldn't want to see a kid being beaten in a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, I was kind of surprised <laughs> to see Me that too. alternate version. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but you, that was the first version you saw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, last night I just re- happened to see for the very first time in my life the boys from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Holy shit! What a movie. <laughs> yeah, I like boys from Brazil. <laughs> There's uh, an incredible one of the scenes in that movie that completely blew me away was a a very brutal fight between two very el- el- elderly a- actors. You know, Lawrence Olivier and. Uh, Gregory Peck, yeah. like rolling around, like like just grabbing each other's face, and like it's just, uh, like, like I hope I know that they had safety perca- uh, precautions on the set that day, and 
probably took several days filming it very delicately. But when it's all edited together, it looks so real and it's mm-hmm. so disturbing. And same with uh, this this scene. And if people want to see that scene, it's up on my YouTube channel, uh, my Everything is Terrible YouTube channel under the title Grandma Problems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, that would be a good alternative title for this movie that maybe... Maybe maybe this title is a little bit. It's like, oh, this is going to be a lot of tension. But Grandma Problem sounds like it could be just pure fun. That's like the comedy version of it. That's like yeah. the the uh, the Adam the Sandler uh, version of it. Yeah, I think in the the version that I saw, the YouTube version of that I saw, um, the the implication is that maybe she's had some, you know, maybe she's hit her mom somewhat. But mm-hmm. it's it's like. It's sort of the classic, like, well, I only did it once or twice. I, uh, whatever the affair, the violence, whatever it is, is like, I only mm-hmm. did it once or twice. And I think when you watch this other version where she's really wailing on her mom, it's like, uh, this looks like a thing she does. And it also made me think, like, oh, this is probably a thing she does with her children, mm-hmm. even though in the therapy scene she says she doesn't do it. Um, because the children don't really look that surprised. I mean, you're using the same shot of the kids um, in both versions of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it it sort of it sort of make I think it 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 takes a little bit of the plausibility out of her uh, her therapy session and and the conclusion of like oh well, we'll forgive each other and it's okay because it's like oof if this is what you two have been doing to each other this is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah. It it does make. I mean, I guess it does transform the movie completely because it is like the entire movie. I was like, I knew what it was about vaguely, and I was like, oh, is this? Am I gonna have to like watch like some violence here? Like, I mean, not that whatever. But I was like, specifically, yeah, you just don't want to see this old lady. You don't get like hit. violence. I don't. I don't relish the idea of seeing like an old lady get hit, and, I, and then I was like, oh, oh, they had, they did this like this little way of handling it, where her hand mm-hmm. retracts back, and suddenly there's a bruise or whatever, which is totally different. Than like mm-hmm. Yeah, completely- I really like. Uh, well, what's consistent about both uh, versions? I really like the music that's playing. Like whenever Geraldine Fitzgerald's, whenever Charlotte's in danger, there's this like creepy synth music that plays it sounds like goblin you know like from an italian horror movie yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really great cue synth i i uh, wanted to try to find the punk cues that were in this movie because oh my god i found it oh really it's um <laughs> the the band is called the blue daisies and the song is called Dance, Dance, Dance. <laughs> uh, and it's not, on you- it's, it's not on YouTube, but I Googled it and some guy uploaded it to SoundCloud. Like oh, my a very God. Weird, very weird platform to put a song up like that. But uh, the lyrics, as far as I can tell, the, the entire lyrics for the entire song are bones, 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 dance, 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 bones, 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 dance, 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 dance. <laughs> and how, how would that not terrify you? Uh, I got to say, though, I liked it. I was like, yeah, it comes up like two more times, like in the movie. And it's every, every time you, you're like, yes, yes, this song again. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> Well, you need a little spice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You need that. I also just love the idea of like kids in the 80s listening to music that is, uh, 
I think I've, I, this is on my mind because I recently rewatched E.T. and it was it really mm-hmm. sunk in for the first time that he's listening to Elvis Costello music. There's a I think Henry, I think one of them has, I think Henry Thomas has a poster of Elvis Costello in his room. Wow! And the older uh, son is singing "Accidents Will Happen." He's humming "Accidents Will Happen" and mm. singing it. And uh, I thought that what is what an interesting choice for of all the people in the world in the '80s for Spielberg to be like, yeah, these are going to be this kid's going to be an Elvis Costello fan. But <laughs> it's always interesting to me to see like what are the you know. Totally. What were the what were the kid? What did people think the kids were into? It's so time? so random. Like in yeah. Ferris Bueller's bedroom, there's like a poster for the band Simply Red, <laughs> and it's like, wait, who's like not Simple Minds that, but Simply Red? Like, yeah, it's yeah, Ferris. Come on, Ferris. Right. It's like um, they're deciding the set set designers d- deciding what ferris listens to i mean john hughes probably had some input i would think on what type of music ferris listens to uh i'm matthew broderick i once saw him interviewed and he said that he he was really out of touch with that he said that um matthew broderick said i didn't really like ferris as a character because i didn't understand any of that stuff because he's more of like a i guess a broadway boy or something and wow so he was like John Hughes would play me like I saw this on Inside the Actor Studio years ago. He said John Hughes would play me these tracks of like, here's the music, here's what it's gonna be in the spot. And and Matthew Broderick was like, Yeah, whatever. Like, I don't know, I don't even know what that mm-hmm. is. Like, you know. I uh, only care about Godspell. Exactly. Yellow chicken, uh, uh what's the song? Um uh, uh, oh yeah. Matthew oh, Broderick could have yeah, he could have cared mm-hmm. less about yellow. About yellow. <laughs> yeah. Um that's a huge hit in my house, by the way. That's a really, really that's one of the the top songs. A classic. A classic. A, yeah. a, a fun song for kids. Which is called Chicka Chica. That's what everyone calls. Ah. Yeah. That's yeah. not no one calls it anything but Chicka Chica. <laughs> exactly. That's Chicka Chica. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, we would be remiss to not mention River Phoenix, uh, who is uh we have mentioned him, but um what a incredible young actor River Phoenix mm-hmm. was. I just yeah. just as another reminder of that. Like Yeah, I mean in this movie I honestly I, I've seen I think most of his movies because I was very into him when I was a kid. And uh I don't think I would have I wouldn't have been I don't think I think because it was sort of like the you know, you you've got a you've got to play a straight man sort of the kids are playing mm-hmm. the straight men sort of here of like we're normal children who are actually being treated just fine and um that's our only job in this movie uh i don't think i would have particularly noted him except that he's not as mannered as the little girl who plays the sister i we should mention yeah. by the way the ants as she's saying this is sitting right in front of a my private Idaho movie poster. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right. yeah. I love River Phoenix. I love River Phoenix very, very much. He was very important to me as a, uh, when I was younger. And I think, I think maybe this is just the tragedy of knowing too much as I was watching this movie and I was thinking, yeah, River Phoenix was terribly abused when he was a kid. I wonder how he felt being in a movie about abuse. Mm. Wow. Like, was he even aware of that at mm-hmm. that point in his life? Or not? Because wow. he grew up in a cult, and yeah, uh, I was like, I wonder what that. I wonder if you would just set that aside, or would you be, um, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just thought we'll never know. But I, I thought I I did think about that. Well, he's he you know this is the last thing he ever did for television. So like clearly he was he was bigger than this this role. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm not seeing every single River Phoenix movie, but he's also wait he's in the sneakers is he not mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's, a later that's one. probably the most recent one i've watched so many movies during the pandemic by the way now i wish i wrote them down probably i don't know like over 700 movies oh wow. since the beginning of the lockdown and there it's all kind of a blur now mm-hmm. <laughs> i wish i kept but i also watched one called uh running on empty mm-hmm. yes. yeah yeah that was that's really interesting one. yeah yeah, Mosquito Coast running on empty, like these kind of like counterculture parents trying to figure out, uh, and their kids trying to figure out where they fit in the 80s. God, that really like, does feel yeah. like both of those kind of mirror his life. I mean, what are the chances that you're in two movies like that? I think because he his parents were of that generation, so it made sense that he would be old enough to play a kid of parents of that generation because both of those movies took place in present day. Mm-hmm. So it was in the 80s. It was far enough away from when someone would have been bombing a lab or something that he would be cast in that part. But I I would guess also that that was something that people knew about him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. We never met. We never met. And now the Viper Room is going to be torn down, which is no. uh, no, that's very weird. I only, I only recently kind of realized that the drugs that killed him were given to him by uh, John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, he was there? Yeah. Oh. And I wonder if that's messed John up and why he left that band for so many years. I don't, I'm, this is all, I don't know any of this is a fact. I'm just speculating. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think all of the it's very, very strange that, you know, he made this movie, I guess, when he was about 16 mm-hmm. and he really he lived seven more years from this. He's 16 in this movie. Yeah. Well, because in 19, he was born in 1970 and this was 1986. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of he was maybe a little bit of an older. He was like maybe 15 or when he did a Stand By Me, I guess. Yeah, that I think sound, that was that actually about right. quite a bit mm. before. Because I think I think maybe, I think Mosquito Coast might have been like 86, 87. So he was closer to that one than I think Stand By Me. I need I need to see Mosquito Coast. I've been trying to go through like Paul Schrader's entire like body uh-huh. of work. Yeah. And that's like probably one of the few ones I have left. I love that yeah. movie. It's a great, great Schrader script. Yeah. And great performances. One of the great Harrison Ford performances. Yeah, oh, it's a man. it's an unusually good Harrison Ford performance because it has this sort of feverishness that maybe uh what the um the one about um the Polanski one. Uh frantic, frantic. that he doesn't hmm. usually do. He doesn't usually do sort of panicky. Uh and for a few years in the eighties he did Harrison Ford did some panicky panic. <laughs> uh, but I think it's also an interesting movie about uh kind of what we would now call toxic masculinity, like uh, needing to uh, control the family so aggressively. It's interesting, though. I think in, in the in the choosing of these parts, maybe there maybe there's sort of a subconscious desire to talk about some things that, as a teenager, maybe River Phoenix was like couldn't help but want to 
act in these stories. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. I mean, he's certainly um, a very rare presence, I think. I remember when he died, uh, the week that he died, uh, he died the same week that Fellini died. Oh, really? Mm. And I remember that being a, a observation made that we've lost two greats. One was at the end and one was at the uh, very beginning. Yeah, he would be probably incredibly weird now, but he would have been in some really interesting movies. I think I remember when he died and I remember when Heath Ledger died just being like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, I think there was some really interesting, a lot of misses, a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of things that just just sort of some stuff, stuff missing. And that's always true, I think, when young people die is is like – there's so many things that are missing and they're not all great things, but they are kind of like, who knows? Who knows? And and especially when it's drugs, it's just so, um, it's it's such a, and especially now, I think, uh, you know, with so many, so many young people dying because they're taking drugs and in a normal world would be able to live for years taking drugs, but because of fentanyl, they're dying. Uh it's just, it's like, it's not any, it's, it's not any different. We're going to, we'll probably lose more of them, but um, it was great that they were able to be around while they were around. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, I, I kind of feel like I, I've always put River Phoenix and Johnny Depp together in the same category. And I think that's not fair because had River Phoenix's career continued to an adult and then a middle-aged man, and I think he would have made better career choices mm-hmm. and, well, and be better making... better life choices than Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> well, the movie he was making when he died was was um, uh, this really strange Western that uh, was kind of finished. And I watched it once and I was like, yeah, you know, I think he would be probably have made like, I don't know, he would be in movies like Power of the Dog or something. I don't think mm-hmm. he would be in... Um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, but I don't know. Maybe he would have been in both. <laughs> it's impossible to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. a very different actor than Joaquin Phoenix. Like there, there, it doesn't. There's no, there's no comparison. They're just completely <laughs> yeah. different people. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I like Joaquin. I still like Joaquin. Me too. Yeah, but it, they're yeah. just they're just very, very, very different actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. This movie kind of reminded me a little bit of Parenthood. <laughs> and just the idea like i think i flashed on like joaquin or leaf as he was known like <laughs> slamming the door on diane weist or whatever i was like oh yeah i've seen that i've seen this scene before sort of <laughs> yeah it's exactly the same <laughs> you're talking about the steve martin movie right? the steve martin movie with mm-hmm. featuring young joaquin the only thing that i remember from that movie oh, is there's a scene right. where like uh keanu reeves i think has gotten someone pregnant and and it's like uh, Martha Martha Plimpton Plimpton yeah yes who was also she was also in Running on Empty with River Phoenix but she uh, Diane Weist is talking to one of the younger kids it might have been Joaquin Phoenix and uh, it's like well it, you know are they going to be all right is it going to be okay and Diane Weist is just like yeah I think so um, but it's. I only remember that one scene because it's it's maybe because it was an adult who was like, I I'm lying, but I need to reassure you. Mm-hmm. Like she's telling the younger brother, like, 
yeah, it'll be okay. Like it won't be, but I don't need to tell you that. And I, I don't know why that really stuck with me. Is like, oh, that's a thing you can do. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can do the little lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is gonna be a horrible trash fire. <laughs> uh, Parenthood, good movie, great Keanu, very funny Keanu. People underrate Keanu as being funny, funny in that movie. Yeah, I, I've never seen it, and I wanted. I remember when it came out, I wanted to see it really bad because I was a huge Steve Martin fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents stuck to the rating system very strictly. Like, <laughs> if you know, if that movie was rated PG thirteen and I was only eleven, then I wasn't going. Period. Mm-hmm. What, would you, what were the? Do you have wow. a, an early memory with a with something that was forbidden, like a movie? Like, oh, we actually saw it, even though I actually got to see it, even though it was off limits. Yes, and I would. <laughs> that would happen from time to time. You'd be at a friend's house you know, hanging out and then they'd throw a moving on and I'll, all right, let's watch a movie. And like one of the, one of those times it was fast times at Richmond high. And, uh, one of the first scenes in the movie is a, a girl's getting felt up in a, in the dugout of a, of a baseball field. And most kids would just like not tell their parents and for some reason, I would excuse if I was if they put on something I knew I wasn't allowed to watch. I would excuse myself. And in this in this particular case, I think I actually ran home, <laughs> like like wow. like oh I gotta go, like made up excuse like oh it's dinner time, like gotta go, and then like ran home, like like walking home would not get me away from that movie fast enough. <laughs> That's like what wow. was wrong with me? <laughs> uh, uh, God, yeah. another oh, God. I, there's so many examples of this now that I think about it. You, just I stopped, you, you weren't like, "Oh, I'm getting away with it." You were like, "I'm gonna." No, no, I got. Yeah. I can't watch this. No, I, I was, I, I got, I would literally scared, scared. Like fear is not a, a, a feeling that that should come up when you're seeing a teenagers feeling each other up. Like, <laughs> yeah, that should have been interesting to me. Uh, 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 another example of this, uh, and this, uh, oh god, this is embarrassing. But uh, I stopped getting invited to sleepover parties because I would also do this if it was a group of guys. I remember there was a sleepover with like maybe eight kids, like a big one. And they had rented, uh, it was coming to America, Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't sure what it was rated. So I called my mom from the sleepover party and said, Hey mom, can I watch coming to America? And they had seen it in the theater and they said, absolutely not. <laughs> and I said, what should I do? She said, stay right where you are. I'll, I'll, I'll be there in, an, in like 45 minutes. <laughs> what? She, wow. she, she goes to the video store, rents an alternate movie, <laughs> and brings it to the, the sleepover party and drops it off. Um so we would have something else to watch in its place. Um, would you like to know what movie she thought was like <laughs> that we would want to see and maybe was like a little edgy, but also like had the proper rating? Mm-hmm. Uh, was the movie Twins, the movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Danny DeVito. 
mm-hmm. I never got invited to another sleepover party ever again after that. Oh they were so mad at me. How wow. old were you? What was this? When did twins come out? <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, this would have been 88 or something, maybe. Yeah. So I would have been about nine or 10. Wow. wow. Yeah. That is a vivid. I mean, you, what else you, could you have done? You had to. You had to report it. I mean, you yeah. No, to. I didn't. <laughs> it was a mandatory reporting situation. I loved, I've now since I've now since seen Coming to America, and it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved it, uh, probably, even though a lot of the jokes I'm sure would have gone over my head. But what do you think? What do you think that your mom's objection? Why? Why do you think that they were so hard on the ratings? They were really young. They were in college. So they're in their early 20s. Uh, I mean, by this point, they would have been in their early 30s. But they were just so, because they were so young and didn't know what they're doing, they would just do everything to the book. They would, they would Mm -hmm. do, they would read child uh, uh, books on raising a child and just follow them exactly. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 They were trying to get an A in in this and they, yeah, they were doing their best. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that you had young parents that were on the younger side. Yeah. But at the same time, I got exposed to a lot of stuff that way because they and all their friends that would come over were all like young. They were into, you know, uh, we would have movie nights at at the house and it would be stuff like uh, Blazing Saddles or, uh, you know, Monty Python, Search for the Holy Grail. Mm. And I wait those movies I were allowed to watch because uh, uh, they were taped off of television and they had all the, the swearing taken out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a good workaround. So that, yeah, that was a nice loophole. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Movies like that definitely got me, got, got my attention and also like taught me that movies are like a shared experience with other people. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the next time I saw my friend's dad, we would all, they would all, you know, yell, like the knights who say knee, they would all go knee, knee every time they said that. And it was mm. like, and then, you know, when I'd see my my dad's friend Mark at church the following Sunday, I would go up to him and say knee and he would laugh and it would be like, oh, we, we shared that experience uh, 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 <laughs> last night. Uh, yeah. So, so, so uh, I, I. I have to also give my parents some credit for turning me on to a lot of good stuff that way. And fair, fair, just back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I think that's one that's one exception that they actually made for me. I was like seven or eight, and it was PG thirteen, and they rented it and watched it the night before after I went to bed and like loved it. So uh-huh. and they were talking about it, and they thought you know what, Doug would really get a kick out of the scene where, uh, you know, he has jerry-rigged this whole, like, crazy thing in his bedroom where when the door opens, it pulls on a string and that activates mm-hmm. the stereo oh, yeah. as a, his snoring. So they fast-forwarded that scene and they just showed me that one scene before I went to school that morning. And mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and then, like, the next time we were at the video store, I begged and I... I pleaded with her, can I please rent Ferris Bueller's Day Off? And she made an ex- one-time exception. Wow. And thank God, wow. they, thank God uh, 
She did because that movie changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you remember those wow. ones. Wow. Yeah, it's wow. crazy though because what it's suggesting you do is uh, just get up to the worst parentless nonsense <laughs> like mm-hmm. that seems like a much more dangerous one than coming to america you're not gonna you're not gonna own a fake mcdonald's anytime <laughs> soon but you might actually pretend to be your own parents when you call oh ferris is having a, he's, he's harmless <laughs> fun. he gets he gets fair you know what ferris bueller does on his day off he goes to the museum he goes to the <laughs> chicago <laughs> art Institute. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i just mean that what he does is actually achievable for a child Yes. So you could yeah. actually oh, yeah. try to do it. That's why, that's why I was so inspired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted to be, I mean, I literally like bought, like started combing my hair differently and like using product in my hair for the first time and dressing differently and wanting to wear different types of shoes. Like I'm, I wanted to model myself after him. <laughs> wow. See, it's it's movies, man. It was movie magic because it turns out he was not actually that cool and didn't have good taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just had different taste in music. Mm-hmm. I different, different. Fair to say, different. On the eye, on the tick of uh, ratings, um, and we should get to, to your rating, which is the uh, the MPAA. Your personal. MPAA rating. Yes. Which this I think is, it's not so personal. It's actually for maybe anyone in, in, uh, who looks. Yeah. Anyone with my way. horrible affliction. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a rating system that's the MPAA rating. Of course, your mom is very familiar with uh, where it's ratings from G to um, NC-17 now. And my rating, though, is Mama Panic Attack Assessment. <laughs> so uh, things that maybe in the past I would not have been bothered by, but now when I see them, it's just a little more difficult to watch mm-hmm. or impossible to watch. That's also been an experience that I've had. Um, and I think for for this movie, the way that the way that this was treated was so optimistically. I guess it was sort of like the the fantasy, I suppose, of anybody that has conflict with a parent. I mean, yes, we all have conflict with parents, <laughs> but mm-hmm. this level of conflict, which is really like a core awful thing that is bothering her whole life and is affecting her whole life. Um, it's very optimistic that you can just, you know, you could just have a day when that gets resolved. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess even though it does deal with abuse, both of a woman as a child and then as and as an adult that I didn't really find it particularly troubling. I found it way more about uh, how things can change and things can improve. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know somehow just because of the, the tone of it, I still would give it a G. I don't really think mm-hmm. this was troubling. Um, because of where it ended. Maybe there are parts of it where it isn't, but I was really surprised mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, this isn't bothering me. And I think it's the way that it is filmed mm-hmm. and the way that it's directed that it's like um, complicated, but isn't so pointed that you can't watch it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right, gee. I mean, for a movie yeah. that invokes- I think a- it's interesting. I think it's like, it's useful. It's like, I think the things that really get me are ones where it's like, you're going to look at this thing and then there's nothing you can do about it. 
and I think this whole movie is like, okay, we're, we're going to kind of like talk through every single thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And I think when I'm rating movies, it's not like, oh, this is a movie a kid should watch or this is a movie that won't bother you. It's like, is this something where if you're in the midst of being an exhausted parent <laughs> that you're going to just be like, I can't watch this. This is bothering me too much. And I think it's, it is, it's sort of talking through itself, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it isn't really, it, the content is disturbing, but the attitude of the film is like everything can be worked through. And then the, the resolution is so positive that it's like, whatever thing you're dealing with with your family, whatever family member it is, there could be a day when that's not bothering you anymore, mm-hmm. which is kind of the opposite of things that are very disturbing to me. So I, I, I think it's, it's a, I give it a G. I think it actually is kind of a good movie for uh, a, a parent, a, a, mem- a member of a family to watch. Um, hey, a member of a family, that's a lot of us. <laughs> and, if, yeah. and if a child has a question, then they could lead to a discussion after afterwards yeah i mean i wouldn't i would not show this to my kid i don't i don't i, I don't why would movies. you that would yeah. be weird but <laughs> like, you don't know watch this but i feel like with a, with an yeah. older kid like if you were watching like if this is the, this is the kind of thing where if it came on tv if it was if more of this stuff was on tv now i'd be like yeah this is a good little family drama it may not be it may not address the specific issues that are going on in my family at the moment or whatever but mm-hmm. it's good to know about this kind of i mean this is some would say this is why movies and fiction should exist in general. You know, it's like, I mean, it's definitely horrifying. I think it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's insurmountable. Yeah. Yeah. And I find, I find some relief in that when I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of fictional material that is like the child is missing. The child is something horrible. And it's like, well, it's an unresolvable, horrible. And this is, yeah, maybe you can fix it. Maybe you can stop doing this. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gave you hope. Yeah, a little bit of hope. A little great. sprinkle of hope dust on great. this. It, it's a very, it's a very happy ending. The only thing they leave unresolved is 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 David, the brother, dead or alive. We never find yeah, out. Yes, he's still yeah. selling pretzels. Or I really I, thought <laughs> that David was going to come back. I was. Like, I thought he was David's... going to walk into the old folks' home, like yeah. right yeah. at that very moment. Yeah. Just from the power of that resolution, he's like, oh, wait, I'm fixed, too. Uh, I don't know. For me, the unresolved thing was whether or not the Beatles ever sang that song. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, we're going to now rate this movie uh, uh, on a scale of something specific to this movie. Uh, uh, something that something that stood out in this movie. Dancing teens. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, dropped cigarettes. Cup oh, cigarettes, mm, yes. Tiny little fires. <laughs> yes. The the number of fires. <laughs> she, I mean, every time she smokes a cigarette, something catches fire. on fire every single time. Yeah, that's true. It's really a hundred percent of the cigarettes that are lit uh, become yeah. fires. Uh, that's a that's a good one. The uh, uh, cigarette fires. The uh, the, uh, yeah. the how many drop cigarettes? smoldering <laughs> cigarette fires. Um, yeah, that's true. Every time she <laughs> she smokes three times in the movie, <laughs> starts a fire every yeah. time. Um, uh. 
I'll go first. I think this uh, is a really exceptional uh, TV movie. Maybe not so exceptional. Maybe the quality is uh, higher than we give these movies credit for. This is the kind of movie, it's in this territory of what we would call a lifetime movie. It transcends that quality of of story. Uh, I think this whole lifetime movie pejorative term is sometimes used for movies that just address women issues, which is, I think that's one thing. And then also movies that deal with any kind of domestic drama. Mm -hmm. Uh, If a movie's not- Or older people. Or older people. (laughs) And so there's this whole kind of world of movies that you go, well, that's kind of like a lifetime movie or whatever. And it it dismisses a tremendous amount of stuff that's interesting and good. Uh, And so this movie, I mean, it definitely has its, its deep 80s. It's thick 80s. You'll see some real- uh, 80s mm-hmm. designs and it definitely has it's unintentionally funny moments which I don't think are which I never see as a as a as a problem with a movie it only enhances it to have a little laugh now and then and I think that at the center of this movie is just a very good Tuesday Weld performance and she's a interesting act, actor who wasn't um, uh, maybe we haven't seen enough of in movies and so I really enjoyed it I'll give it a three and a half out of four uh, drop cigarette fires <laughs> great <laughs> Um, That's a good rating. Yeah, I think, I mean, gosh, it's too many dropped cigarettes, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm adding a whole half fire. (laughs) A half a fire, no. Um, Yeah, I thought that this was an interesting subject matter that is not really, I don't, it's not something you're seeing all the time. But I think it's, it's, um, it's very cool to see that the conflict is truly just between uh, an adult daughter and her mom, because I think that there's so much of that. And we see so many stories about guys and their dads. It's like mm-hmm. 90 to one, I feel mm-hmm. like, and how many of those we see. So it is interesting to see that. And uh, to me, it was it was rather slight. Um but I did think that it was well done and the performances are really good. And uh, it was an interesting topic. Uh, I thought the resolution was my my fantasy of all fantasies, but maybe a little quick, a little bit quick. Um, so I would give it uh, three uh, cigarette fires. All right. <laughs> uh, well, Y'all already know I love this movie because I mm-hmm. said so earlier, but I also said that I didn't know understand why I like love this movie. <laughs> do and, you understand uh, anymore? Did you after, figure it out? After two hours, I, I I do. I do. I I think it's three elements coming together. I think it's like the amazing performances by everybody in this. You know, Geraldine mm-hmm. Fitzgerald and River Phoenix and Tuesday Weld are just all absolutely fantastic. But mm-hmm. I think if it was just a straight drama i would have gotten uh i wouldn't have liked i i think it's the unintentionally funny moments just make the whole thing a little weird and, mm-hmm. and that to me makes me like it so much more there's mm-hmm. just so many weird like 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 the fact that the the dad solves all the problems reconciles with the kids just by taking them to a Lakers game and then everything <laughs> then he's back in their good graces again like just like that and like there's so many the fact that like she thinks that the helicopters are spying on her yeah, like that that's... is that there's just so many little nuggets in this movie that I find so funny um so like 
now when I'm watching a movie and I can't decide like, is this a good movie or this is, is this a bad movie? I just finally say, if you're entertained and you're still thinking about it days, weeks, months later, years later, then who cares? Like it, it -hmm. can be a little bit of both. And sometimes that can be a beautiful combination. And then bring in a foreign director that always makes things more interesting. (laughs) Oh, that adds the spice. (laughs) Like it adds a little, it just adds a little like spice that, that you wouldn't get with uh, like a veteran American television director. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I, I think I understand uh, why this is a special movie to me now. I really do. Uh, So for that, I'd have to give it four out of four dropped cigarettes. I mean, <laughs> for for a TV yeah. for a TV movie, this is very much above average, and I wouldn't I wouldn't rate it the same way if it was a, a theatrical movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair, and I and, and very I I think uh, very well said that uh, you know on any level that you can enjoy a movie, enjoy a movie. That's I think that's <laughs> amen. Just get a little joy out of life, man. Yeah, whatever. You're laughing at it. You're laughing with it. Who gives a shit? (gasps) You know what, Doug? Do you need to call your mom? (laughs) You just use language. Oh. uh, I'll Uh, make sure she doesn't hear this. Oh, no. I'll do do a bleep. I'll I'll do a bleep. When I no, I'll just tell her to turn it off when there's 30 seconds remaining. (laughs) Okay, good idea. Um, Doug Jones, thank you so much for doing this show. Uh, great insight uh, into this movie. Uh, we can't thank you enough. This is this is no one in the world uh, would have chosen this uh, besides you. You are you are a one of a kind uh, a guest, a one of a kind uh, person. If people are want to follow you, new projects you have going, where can they find you? I am. Uh, I'm cur- currently working uh, with the Yard Theater, and I would like to give them a shout out because uh, they've, you know, struggled during the pandemic when they were closed, and now they're back up and running. Nice and uh, doing shows almost seven nights a week: comedy, music, and I'm. I've been uh, going to rehearsals for their next play, which is Comic Potential by Alan Ackborn. And that will be, that will be running over the probably for over the course of the the rest of the year, and it's one of the most insane, ridiculous, and funny plays that funniest plays I've ever read. Uh, mm, that's so great. I'm, I'm I highly recommend people checking that out uh, very soon. I'm going to be yeah. there. Awesome. Wait, is it a new play or an, uh, an older? It's about twenty years old uh, by a. British playwright who I was not familiar with before, but now I'm obsessed. Wow. Alan Ackborn. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. I admire the people over there at the yard theater. They do great stuff. The the theater's run and the play's being directed by Mr. John Ennis. John Uh, Ennis. Super Mm. swell dude. (laughs) I love him so much. Wow. This is now I'm very intrigued. This is great news. Um, All right. Well, on that high note, thanks for listening to Mama Needs a Movie. Bye. Th- thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, nice thanks so much, Nice to Doug. see you and nice catching up. Yeah, and I got to write down the... Well, I have I have the tapes. So I'll listen to the other ones that you, uh, that you recommended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. bye.